All the way back in episode 6, I discussed how to go about applying for your first job in aviation, or any subsequent job for that matter. However, what happens when you get that job? How do you prepare? What's expected? And what if it's the big one, into an airline or regional carrier? And how is a decline in the quality of flight training contributing to the failure and devastation to some of you? Well, I answer all these questions and more coming right up. So strap in and let's get into it. Good everyone and welcome to episode 53 of Flight Training Australia, the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host Trent Robinson, thank you for joining me. Hope you've had an awesome weekend and uh, got some great flying in recently. It's um, probably a bit wild down on the east coast of Australia at the moment, just phenomenal rainfalls going on down there and uh, more flooding if you can believe it. So everyone down there, please be safe make good choices and um, don't push things. All right, today's episode, I wanted to pass on some feedback I've been getting uh, from from you, uh, pilots, but also from Chief Pilots, Head of Operations, Head of Training, um, with regards to what they're seeing in the industry at the moment. We're going through a phenomenal phase of uh, opportunity and jobs but for some, it's uh, just such a huge leap and uh, change from what they're usually doing and differences and just not being prepared or unaware of what to expect or how to go about being prepared, um, especially when it's that big special job. So I wanted to pass some of this on to you, but also put a bit of a, uh, a proposal that there is evidence, I would say, um, that the standard of flight training in Australia is starting to slip. Not necessarily everywhere, but it is the feedback that I've been getting uh, from employers. So let's go through some of all this and give some tips on how you can be better prepared uh, when you're going for that big job and make it stick because there'd be nothing worse than thinking you're about to embark on a, an awesome adventure and it all just comes to a grinding halt before it's even started. So firstly, I have had some fantastic feedback from episode six, the, the job application episode, um, helping you write your resumes, what's expected, how to go about uh, applying for jobs. So thank you for all that feedback. And if you haven't listened to that one, uh, episode six, even if it's not your first job, there's some really good resume tips Um for Darwin Flight Training up here, we've actually just put a job advert out and of all the applications we've got so far, there were very, very few uh, that missed the mark in as, as far as construction and presentation goes. So well done, everyone. I don't know if that's a result of my podcast or um, just everyone sort of snapping into gear and, and paying it some proper attention that it deserves. So well done. Um, and hopefully we'll be speaking to some of you lucky uh, applicants soon and maybe joining us up here in Darwin. Anyway, what I'm seeing at the moment is a lot of people coming to me for uh, sim preparation and theory, trying to get ready for a job. 
And for many, I think the first mistake um, or at least threat in this whole process is leaving things too late. Now, it's human nature. How do you get prepared? You want to spend some money. Well, you don't want to, but you're going to have to. And see someone like myself, get some theory, uh, get some simulator practice, maybe even go for a flight or two, whatever it is. This can be from a VFR level to an IFR level. And just get yourself up to speed. But when you're applying for a job, the problem is you don't know when the job's going to come. So you don't want to go and spend that money and get sort of current too soon and then have a big gap between when something finally happens. But the same token, you don't want to leave it too late. Now, the only way to really fix this is to just keep things ticking along with some form of regularity. Now, I understand that that costs money, but theory is free, especially if you're studying it. Get together with some friends. Um, There are some downsides to this, and ultimately you're going to have to get together with someone who does know what they're doing because otherwise, um, as I've seen and others have fed back to me, and this is um, something you know any of us can fall victim to, including myself, is we can all convince ourselves that we're all over it because we're going to study what we think we need to study and ask ourselves questions that we think are covering the topic. The problem is this usually doesn't work, all right? So you need to find some sample questions from employers There's lots of little forums and pilot groups around that I know some of these are circling around. It'll give you a bit of an idea of what they're asking. As far as the skill sets go, you don't want to get to the point where you either start a job or applying for a job. You say, yep, next week you've got a job interview. Then you desperately try and find somebody to get in an aeroplane and go do some flying with them. More often than not, and it's certainly my case at the moment, I can't help you out a few days this weekend, next week, or even two weeks. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly busy at the moment, and I know many other uh, good quality training providers are also finding that they're extremely busy. So you need to plan ahead. Otherwise, you're going to get a substandard uh, person, and by that I don't necessarily mean that they're not good at what they do, but they're not necessarily the right fit for what you're trying to achieve. So there'll be someone that can go flying with you, but they're not really going to be able to value add, which is what you really need. So plan ahead. Try and, you know, just take the punt. Get some flying in. And it might just mean that in that period of looking for work, you need to just do something every month or two or three just to keep your hand in. Simulators, ground school theory groups, whatever it takes, so that you don't have a decline in your theory knowledge and also your hands-on flying. So as far as what happens when you get the job, it can vary, uh, obviously, greatly depending on who it is you're applying for. If it's a typical flight instructor or GA uh, job, then you can usually expect some induction, uh, get all your forms done, photocopy all your credentials, get your staff file made up, And then there'll be a period of uh, standardization or line training. Now, remember, you are applying for a job. The concept is you have qualifications and skill sets that meet that job criteria. 
the big mistake people are making is that once I get the job, I'll get some line training and I'll get myself all current and you know hone my skills then. That's not what this is about. Line training is teaching you the job. It's not teaching you how to fly again. I've had some very good feedback from many respected operators around Australia who are saying to me that we are not a flying school and we are seeing a huge decline in the standard in pilots applying for jobs and coming to them and it is turning into a whole lot extra uh, effort and line training and delays of being checked to line uh, for these operators, which results in huge extra costs. Right. Some typical jobs were looking at roughly around 50 hours of line training. It's turning into more like 75 to 100. Some airline operators are adding extra simulator sessions or even doubling them to deal with the uh, the skill set gaps that are turning up with pilots that just are green, I guess is, is the best way to describe it. Now, sometimes this isn't necessarily the individual, uh, their fault. This is just what they're turning up with. You've only got so much twin time and so much IFR time or, or flying experience, and you can't do too much about that. But what you need to understand is while it may seem, wow, I can get into an airline and fly something amazing, whether it's a Dash 8 all the way through to a 737 and, and, and bigger, remember that you are being hired and employed based on your skill set. So it's expected that you can do what your resume says you can do. The airline or the operator, it's not their job to get you current and get you up to speed. You should be doing that beforehand. And if you do get in, you're going to find it a huge challenge. Think about when you did your RPL or GPT going far, far back, and then your PPL. When you do the PPL training, what are you learning? Cross-country navigation, essentially, right? You're not being taught how to do straight and level and climbing and descending and turning. But it often happens that if you do turn up without those skill sets, it detracts from the cross-country training component. You're trying to wrestle the aeroplane and get it to do what you want it to do whilst adding cross-country navigation and getting lost and, and trying to do radio calls and everything else. So it's the same thing here. You need to come in with good, solid VFR flying or IFR skills, good aircraft handling, good systems, checks and balances, all in place so that you can easily learn and adapt to the new company's way of doing things and their SOPs, etc. So how do we do that? All right, what's going to happen is how do you prepare Generally speaking, you are going to know what aeroplane you're going to be flying. We're going from maybe flying a few different aeroplanes in a training school environment to now you're going to be flying one or two types to begin with. All right. Now, I'm not going to get caught up in semantics. I'm going to use the word type. We know that there is type rating and class rating and different aircraft that you get a flight review to fly on, a course of training and all that. Let's just use the term endorsements and types. We'll work through it together. It's all going to be okay. I know this gets people upset. 
So you're going to get your aircraft. Let's just say it's a 210 to start with. Find out what the aircraft is, what type, what model. Let's say it's a 210M model. And then get yourself an M model flight manual, POH. Learn the aeroplane. Read the book front to back. Some people go, well, it's just a 210. Like, how hard is it? Knowing that aircraft in and out is not just about the 210, but this is setting you up for how you're going to approach every aircraft and every endorsement or type rating or aircraft check that you're going to do thereafter. So take the, the bull by the horns and go through the POH. There's uh, questionnaires available. The CASA ones have been pulled, but if you do a bit of a search, you can find them. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll send it to you. All right, but go through the questionnaire, learn the systems, learn the avionics, learn the electrics, learn the fuel system, the hydraulics, whatever level of complexity it is. And this will help you greatly. It will show your employer that you're putting in the effort. You'll know your aircraft inside and out, and you'll be surprised when some of this knowledge can actually come in handy. If we're going from an airline kind of level into a type rating, you're going to be coming across training captains and check captains. And one of the misleading uh, elements, I guess, of this word is a training captain. Make no mistakes. They are there to help you and to train you in the company ways, but it's not like a grade one, two or three flying instructor in a flying school environment that you're used to. The expectation here is that you're going to do what I've just said. You're going to read the manual front to back, all the systems, all the avionics, have all your notes, know all the speeds, the company SOPs, and then you're going to get a SIM date. You will get ground school, but it's expected that you know everything. You're going to go into the SIM and then they're going to start taking you through uh, training sessions, but the assessment process will start very early on. So if you go into it thinking it's all going to be good, I'll go in and they'll teach me everything, you're going to have a big rude shock. There are all different levels and uh, well, types of training captains, I guess. Some are great and they will help you as long as you're helping yourself. Others won't suffer fools very easily at all. And if you turn up unprepared, both on the aircraft that you're trying to learn, but also your basic skill sets that they expect you show up with, as in solid IFR flying, knowledge and uh, abilities, you're going to be in for a rude shock. You're going to find it a huge learning curve and a huge step up from what you're used to. So make sure you put in the effort. You learn, you work hard, and you've got to live and breathe it for that uh, training period because the assessments will happen quickly and the airlines are investing big time, big money um, into you, and there is a finite amount of it. You'll get to a point where probably for the first time in your career, you're actually going to have to really work hard to keep your job, let alone get one. Every six months, you're going to be doing checks. You'll be doing line checks in between that. It's, there's always 
assessments and checks to maintain a standard. It's very different from a GA environment. Now we're moving into part 119 where 6 or 12 monthly OPCs are coming into play. You'll start to get a feel for what this kind of environment is like. And it's not meant to be scary and terrifying and threatening, but if you show up unprepared and you haven't read the manual and you don't know the company SOPs, this will show up in these checks and you'll be exposed and vulnerable to possibly having to defend yourself and please explain as to why you should still keep your job. So make sure that you are aware of what's going on. The type rating is a very difficult, challenging process. It will take time, but it is obviously doable because there's plenty of people out there doing it. But make sure you go into it with your eyes open. You're well prepared. And this goes into any training. The five or six P's, Prior preparation prevents poor performance. We all know that. And this is definitely one of those situations. Even for something like an IPC, if you show up to me uh, with a limited number of bookings and then convince yourself that you've done all the work, it's going to show up very, very quickly. And then the costs and the time are going to blow out. You're not going to get the rating when you wanted to get it done. That might hold you up for doing job interviews or missing out on a job uh, opportunity entirely and it's going to cost you more in the simulator and the more in the aircraft especially if we have to stop what we're doing and go backwards so be prepared back yourself put in the time put in the effort and make it all worthwhile so as i said earlier as well there is what would appear to be a bit of a decline in flying training now, I don't know what this is. I haven't done a research subject on it. I haven't done a thesis. I don't know if examiners are sliding and letting people get through with a slightly lower standard, uh, whether the instructors are not training to the same standard as we all used to, but there definitely seems to be a bit of a slide in what is showing up and what effort we're having to put in to people when they are starting new jobs. So just be aware of that and don't expect everybody else to do it. I don't know, maybe it's like a millennial thing where people want things done for them. Oh, that's a bit bit rough, wasn't it? Sorry. I don't know what it is, guys. But you need to be aware of it and you are the person saying that you can do the things on your resume. So just make sure that you can do it. It's not the employer's role to teach you and reteach you, retrain you and, and, and do all that for you. Everyone will help you and everyone will put into you um, some, some training and try and help you leave better than when you came in. But if you've got the expectation that they're going to get you over the line, well, you're probably going to be uh, a little bit heartbroken at the end of it. So don't let that happen to you. Put in the effort, get the rewards, and have an amazing time and an amazing career. All right, guys, love to hear your thoughts on all that. Um, any feedback, ideas, um, let me know. I am going to do a more uh, focused episode on what the typewriting process is like and some more tips. I'll be interviewing somebody about that very, very soon. Uh, I've got the ATPL MCC interview coming soon I think we've actually got a date locked in now 
and uh, we'll make that happen next week or two. That'll be coming out. So lots of great info to all feed into that. Um, any questions, as always, you can hit me up on info at trentrobinsonaviation.com.au. Search for Trent Robinson Aviation on social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, all that. Insta, what's the other one? LinkedIn. You can get me on there as well. I'll answer anything that comes through, either directly or in a future episode. Please keep the reviews coming. And until next time, remember the golden rule. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, guys.